At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And we're recording. Um, Rachel is... And I'm recovering. In recovery. I obliterated her eardrum. Oh my gosh. I mean, we had the, the recording off in between episodes. Um... I've never heard anything so loud come through these headphones. My mouth was on the microphone like this. And then she about and then I screamed. Went, <sighs> but like louder. Loudly. Louder. I'm not doing it again. Please don't. But I just about killed her. And her goal is to get me back at some point. So I'm not gonna do it with sound though. That's like the I'm one terrified. thing I can't stand is <laughs> I'm terrified. I have a thing with sounds. <laughs> Anyway, it's part two. It's part two. It's part two of the Stanford Prison Experiment. Um, obviously, this would have been a really long episode by itself. So I think we're just going to hop right into it. I mean, normally, like, we're going to skip apologies and all that. Yeah. Yeah. We just need to finish and then... Yeah, because this can... is a big one. I, I have nothing to apologize for because I don't even have all the answers Well, you yet. do, but you already did apologize for it. Oh, that's a nice face. That's really pretty. It's really, really nice. Um, I know. Tonight. My goat shirt's really nice. Okay. Um, anyway. We'll just let I'm her I'm still trying to find my radio thing. personality. Um, so, okay. Just so Work on knows. that. Um, but not right now because... Stanford Prison Experience. It's a, it's a doozy. It's a big episode. So we're just going to get right back into it. Right. Um, so on Monday, on part one, we... Uh, ooh, words. We uh, left off with the rumor... Mm-hmm. Of the prison break. Right. And that Zimbardo himself admitted that they were so immersed in their experiment that they didn't treat it like experimental psychologists should. They treated it like we have to stop our prisoners from breaking out of our prison. Right. So he's licking my ankle. Hi. Oh, no. He wants to sit with okay. you and be your fine. friend. Okay, fine. Um. <laughs> oh. oh, hi, sweetheart. Okay. No. He's going to try and get on the table. He's not allowed on the table. We have to send it. We have to send it back. 
What? We just have to send him back to the ground. He's going to try and get on the table the whole time. <laughs> Did you hear that hey. sound that just came out of it? Oh, I think he's going to throw up. I so <laughs> Bo, come here. He's literally fine now. <laughs> Are you okay? You good? Are we good? All right. Okay, so... He just wanted attention. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so Stanford Prison Experiment, day yeah. four. Yeah, day four. So because they didn't treat this like experimental psychologists, they didn't do what they should have done. They didn't record how the rumor was transmitted and how the rumor was spread and, you know, behavioral reactions, um, mm. you know, studying it from a scientific perspective. Instead, they had a strategy meeting on how to foil the prisoner's plan. Huh. Like with the guards and the superintendent and the warden, who were not actually superintendents and wardens. But yeah, so that's what they did instead. Weird. Yeah. Now, they had some pretty brutal plans in place. Um, they even begged the local police for help. They refused. And Zimbardo spent all day sitting alone, waiting for 8612 to return and uh, help the current prisoners. Did leave. he believe that? Or was this them, them just... No, he thought it was going to happen. Everyone thought that he was going to come back and like help with a prison break, um, or at least there would be a prison break right. if he didn't come back. Here's the thing. Nothing happened. He didn't come back. There was no attempt for a wow. prison break. Nothing happened. That's crazy. Who would have thunk that in a scientific experiment in a controlled environment? Well, but there are a lot of crazy things that happened. Crazier things have happened. I guess. But instead, who came through the door? An old roommate and colleague of Zimbardo who came to see what he was researching. Kind of just huh. familiarize himself with what's going on. And his name was his last name was Gordon. I don't remember his first name. Um, but Gordon simply just asked Zimbardo what the independent variable of his study was. Hmm. This is how Zimbardo said that he reacted. Quote, To my surprise, I got really angry at him. Here I had a prison break on my hands. The security of my men and the stability of my prison was at stake. And now I had to deal with this bleeding heart, liberal, academic, effete ding-dong who was concerned about the independent variable. It wasn't until much later that I realized how far into my prison role I was at this point, that I was thinking like a prison superintendent rather than a research psychologist. I'm going to start calling you a ding-dong from now on. But what the heck? Just just ding-dong, not a bleeding-heart, liberal, academic, effete ding-dong? Just ding-dong. Okay. You don't know what you mean. You don't deserve those adjectives. Oh, I don't deserve the adjective academic? Well, okay, maybe that one. <laughs> Point is, what the heck was that? I know, right? It's like he, he's in the experiment now. It, Yep. He's being controlled mm -hmm. by the experiment. And like I, that's why I wanted to read all of his credentials, because right. he is such an academic. So then to use the word academic as an insult yeah. is so interesting. So that happened. Okay. But, but when nothing happened, mm -hmm. right? when there was no prison break, when 8612 did not come back, the researchers and the guards were angry because hmm. they had put so much effort into planning for a prison break. But nothing happened and they didn't even get any data that day because they were all so worried right. about stopping this from happening. So they were like, they had all this anger and this energy from just from a rumor. And they were like, well, someone's got to pay for this because this was a big mess. So what did they do? Well, the guards upped their ante. Um, more humiliation, more harassment. Uh, they made the prisoners clean the toilets with their bare hands. Um, more forced exercise. They did more counts, like they did them more often, and they lasted longer. Literally just anything they could think of to punish without them force. and assert their dominance. Yeah, without like literally beating them. Fair enough. So then they called in a priest, an actual 
Catholic priest, not someone like playing a priest, okay. um, who had worked as a prison chaplain previously. Hmm. Okay. He interviewed all of the prisoners except one. Um, the one refused to talk to him, but we'll get to that. Okay. I don't remember if this was day four or day five. I don't even remember if it said, but the, I, I would assume it was maybe day five. No, I don't know. It, it's after it's, the conspiracy or the... It's after the... the rumor. The rumor of the okay. prison break. Okay. Yeah, that's what matters. But only a few days in, that is mm-hmm. what matters for this point, but only only a few days in, many introduced themselves by their number instead mm. of their name already. Um, so they had really internalized their roles and were becoming institutionalized, even though they had only been in here for a few days and they knew it was fake. Wow. They knew it was a simulation. Now, interestingly, the um, the priest asked them all, I mean, he had some small talk with them, but right. eventually he asked each of them, son, what are you doing to get out of here? Hmm. And they were like confused. Hmm. They hadn't thought about getting out. Yeah. So the priest offered to get the prisoner's parents in contact with proper legal aid. And uh, a lot of them did accept that's not super important to uh-huh. the, the narrative today. Uh-huh. Um, but they actually like, did get in contact with, with hmm. legal aid just to kind of play it out as if it were real. Um, but ends up not being super important. But really what, what is important here is that it's blurring the lines of role play mm-hmm. and reality. Yeah. Because they're involving their parents. They're involving legally. They're having a chaplain come in and say, what are you doing to get out of here? Right. Kind of implying that you're in here unless you do something about it. Right. Yeah. Like prison. Yeah. So let's talk about 819. Prisoner 819 is the one who refused to speak to the chaplain uh, or to the priest. Um, He had not been feeling well, and he had asked to speak with a doctor instead. Um, And eventually they convinced him to come out of his cell to talk and figure out what he needed Mm -hmm. um, because for a while he just, like, refused to come out of his cell at all. Once they got him out of his cell, he completely broke down, was Mm -hmm. crying hysterically. I mean, you know how I feel about the word hysterical, but that is what was used to describe him. So Zimbardo took off his chain. He took off his cap. He took him to a room where he could rest, and he said he would get him some food and get him a doctor, Mm. which is great. Yeah. But one of the guards, while Zimbardo was gone, had lined up the prisoners and forced them to chant, quote, Prisoner 819 is a bad prisoner. Because of what Prisoner 819 did, my cell is a mess, Mr. Correctional Officer, in unison, repeatedly. So then Zimbardo realized that 819 could hear the chanting, and he ran back to 819 and suggested that they leave, because this young man was obviously under Mm -hmm. a lot of psychological stress, Mm -hmm. Um, but 819 refused to leave. Hmm. weeping, weeping, he told Zimbardo that he could not leave. Basically, he wanted to, not only was he entrenched in the experiment, but he wanted to go back and prove that he wasn't a bad prisoner like the other prisoners thought. Whoa. Yeah. Um, Even though he was sick. Yeah. And like I said, obviously under mental duress. So then this is how Zimbardo responded. Quote, listen, you are not number 819. You are redacted. And my name is Dr. Zimbardo. I am a psychologist. I am not a prison superintendent, and this is not a real prison. This is just an experiment, and those are students, not prisoners, just like you. Let's go. And then he said, um, he stopped crying suddenly, looked up at me like a small child awakened from a nightmare, and replied, okay, let's go. What? Yeah. Like, a, like, like deprogramming. He just, like, de- he just, like, woke up from, like, a hypnotic state. Basically. Whoa. I mean, that's, it's an oversimplification, but yes. Yeah. Whoa. So a day later, all prisoners who believed that they had grounds for parole were brought before a parole board. Hmm. 
a mock parole board. Mm-hmm. And one question that they were they oof words again. One question that they were all asked was if they would forfeit their fifteen dollars a day in order to be paroled, and a lot of them said yes. Hmm. Then after. This happened. The discussion in front of the parole board uh, went down. They were asked to wait in their prison cells while the board deliberated, and they obeyed. They just all went back to their prison cells. Fair enough. However, they could have just quit the experiment, and they would have lost their money. Yeah. But the experiment would have been over. And what they were asking for was for the experiment to be over, mm-hmm. and they would give up their money. So they could have just said, I quit. I'm going home. But instead, they asked for those conditions. And they obeyed when they were told to go back to their prison cells. Instead of just making the conditions happen at that moment. Instead of just saying, I quit, I'm going home. The conditions would have been the same. As what they were asking for. So why obey? I mean, really, because in only a few days, their realities had been entirely reconstructed. And they felt completely powerless. Uh, Side note, the ex-con consultant um, was the head of the parole board. Mm. And became the most hated authority figure. Um, and after the experiment, he said that he had felt like so sick mm. of like over what he had become, because he had known what it was like to be on the other side. He had had his parole denied for sixteen years while he was in wow. prison, but he became that in the experiment. Wow! It's like so. That's so far. That's one of the craziest things I'm hearing is how each of the controllers of the experiment equally bought into the experiment. Kind of, kind, kind of, sort of. We'll get into that in a bit. Yeah. You know, like that's in, these, actually, in these moments. That's actually the next thing I'm talking about. Okay, yeah. Like yeah. in these moments, both these two figures are kind of adopting their role. Right. They Rather yeah. than remembering it's an experiment mm-hmm. in, these, so, in these specific instances. So, yeah. The next thing I was going to talk about are the results. So there are they are all equally adopting their roles, like you said. The difference is how they're adopting their roles. So I said earlier that about one-third of them showed sadistic tendencies. Mm -hmm. Um, So they found that there were three different types of guards. Okay. There were the tough but fair guards, you know, kind of middle of the road. Yep. uh, Introducing punishment when needed, but also not crossing the line at least least as much. Um, And then there were the, like, good guys that would kind of reward good behavior and not participate as much in some of the brutal Mm -hmm. punishments. Um, and the third type were the hostile authoritarians who enjoyed their power and enjoyed humiliating the prisoners. Mm-hmm. Those would be the one-third with the sadistic tendencies. Right. Um, but interestingly, they said that none of their preliminary tests mm-hmm. could predict who would fall into which category. Mm-hmm. There weren't any um, real patterns. The only pattern that they did find actually was for the prisoners. Yeah. Um, prisoners who were more authoritarian with, like, could withstand more punishment Hmm. and humiliation and all that from the guards. Right. Okay. You know, as if yeah. they, they're like, these people are in charge, I obey the people in charge, that kind of thing. Fair. Um, now, with the prisoners, they found that the prisoners coped in different ways. Okay. Some of those ways included rebellion, emotional breakdown. Some of them had psychosomatic symptoms. Hmm. One prisoner um, broke out into a rash when his parole was denied. Wow. Um, and some of them responded by being good prisoners, yeah. trying to be. Yeah. But all in all, the guards had completely worn them down, and they had gained pretty much the blind obedience wow. of all of the prisoners. So much so that when a new prisoner was introduced at one point, um, his number was 416, he was horrified by what he saw, obviously. He was horrified by the way they were being right. treated, the way he was being treated. But the other prisoners told him not to fight it and just to give up uh, because this was real and he couldn't quit. Instead, 416 went on a hunger strike and was put in solitary confinement. Wow. Because he was still not like... He didn't buy in. Programmed into right. this. Yeah. 
The other prisoners, when they saw what was happening, though, they saw him as a problem. They saw him mm-hmm. as a troublemaker. They were not looking to him as a hero fighting for their rights. They were looking to him, looking at him as a troublemaker. Interesting. So when the others were given the option, like by the guards, to give up their blankets at night in exchange for 416's release from solitary, most of them chose to keep their blankets and let wow. him suffer because they didn't like him. He was a troublemaker. He was a threat to their... Routine, their, yeah, their, to their yeah. law and order, mm-hmm. essentially. As the prisoners, yeah. Wow. So then, Stanford grad student. Some places say she had just graduated. Some places say she was. Some places say she was still a grad student. So whatever, we're yeah. a grad student. Stanford grad student Christina Maslach came in to conduct interviews, kind of help out with the research, and also to kind of get some experience. Um, and she was horrified by what she saw. Yeah. And she told the researchers that what they were doing was terrible. Yeah. More than 50, quote-unquote, outsiders had already come in before Christina. None of them said anything about the ethics of the study. She was the first one. Whoa. Yeah. So after only six days, the experiment was shut down because of what she said. It took, that was it, six days? All of that happened in six days, and that's not even all of the detail. Jeez. Mm-hmm. But here's something interesting. Uh, Christina Maslach uh-huh. and Philip Zimbardo later married. That's kind of sweet. It is kind of sweet. But I feel like if, if one of my first experiences with someone was walking in and seeing them allowing, like, basically torture. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear the I wouldn't be inclined. Story. I wouldn't be inclined to go on a date with that man. I would agree with that. That has to be one heck of a redemption story, at all. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll have to look into that. Look into their love story. Like, this is literally what she's known for. She is known for stopping this experiment. Because who knows what would have happened oh in the next God. eight days well, if she hadn't. I, I kept sitting here waiting for day 14. Like, what am I about to hear? No. It never happened because it just got too far too too quick. And they, the researchers were, were so into it that they didn't stop it. They were, like, agreeing with the guards on a lot of things. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, um... All to just prove that, that prison sucks. Yeah. Then they got into it themselves. I, I'm in, I'm, there is part of me that's just like, did we actually need an experiment to know this? But at the same time, I understand the science yeah. behind, like wanting to understand more in depth of like why, what, if it, what's going what on. What makes people be like that, essentially. I get that. I get that. But at the yeah. same time, I'm like, that's such an interesting thing to propose. Like, let's go understand why something bad is so bad mm-hmm. by putting people in the badness. Well, it's not so much about why it's bad, but what causes the bad. All right. So that you can prevent that. So, and but the, it's like, that's the thing. It's like, in order to figure out what causes the bad, you have to cause the bad. Mm-hmm. And then people are just like, sign me up. Well, I mean, I mean college they, students, dude. $15 oh, a day a, in that's 70s. That's a lot for a college kid. Because honestly, I would do it for like 15. I, if, if I were still in college, I'd probably do it for $15 a day now. Absolutely not. No way. I wouldn't, I'm not even comfortable to donate my own plasma for $100. Okay, it's it's like it's close to a hundred dollars a day though. No. If you had signed up for two weeks, it's fourteen hundred dollars. No. Yes. To live in prison? No. I would do it. Even if I had no idea what was going on, I would literally be like, absolutely not. If I had no idea what was going on, I would do it for fifty dollars a day. If I knew what was going on, I would probably still do it for maybe not a hundred, but a couple hundred a day. Two different kinds of people. Well, okay, money so what was so- money was tight in college. Yeah. So what so, else do you have for us? Yeah, here? I All still right. got a lot yeah, more give to it, go. Give me, give me the deets. Um, What's so, the sitch? Oh, boy. Okay. Well, after, after all of this ended, um, they did some like debriefing interviews mm-hmm. two months later. So after they had time to kind of 
get reacquainted to normal life okay. um, and reflect on their time as prisoners and guards. Uh, the prisoners said a lot of things about losing their identities, um, yeah. really becoming their number instead of their name. Um, I actually have an audio from one of the guards. Let me play that for you. I, I had really thought that I was incapable of this kind of behavior. I, I was surprised, even no, I was dismayed to find out that I could, uh, I could really be a, uh, <laughs> that I could uh, act in a uh, manner so, so absolutely unaccustomed to anything I would even really dream of doing. And I, and while I was doing it, I, uh, I didn't feel any regret. I didn't feel any uh, uh, guilt. It was only after, afterwards, when I began to reflect on what I had done that this began to, this behavior began to dawn on me, and I realized that this was, uh, uh, this was a part of me I hadn't really noticed before. Was this the prisoner or the guard? No, this was a guard. Okay, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. They just, like, totally didn't realize any of it was bad until afterward. Are there more interviews like this? Uh, I'm sure there are. That was just the one they had on their website. Yeah, I'm I sure they're available one. on YouTube because I'm pretty sure there is, like, an archive of a lot of documents and things from this yeah. case. Wow. Um, yeah, so many people believe that this experiment, uh, or with this experiment, Zimbardo and his team successfully showed that behavior is influenced by situation um, and that regular people can really do terrible things. Mm -hmm. And that's often used in, you know, understanding like cult-like behavior and groupthink in violent situations, mm -hmm. um, that kind of stuff. And that basically as well, also some people also believe that he proved that we are pretty much prisoners of our own mind, as Zimbardo mm -hmm. put it um, in like the title of an article. But recently, I've seen a lot of people talking about debunking this experiment, and I want to address that. So some people think that this experiment is misleading, um, that what happened was overly dramatized, um, that the guards didn't do those things on their own. They were encouraged to act brutally, mm. um, that it wasn't, wasn't naturally occurring, right. um, that the research can't be accurate because they there could have been some self-selection bias. They were mm. essentially people with sadistic or mas masochistic tendencies would be more likely to volunteer, um, or that maybe... It happened like this because men are more aggressive. Like, what about right, yeah. women or a group of, like, mixed gender kind of thing? Um, people are saying that it's um, not something we should value scientifically at all because um, it wasn't properly recorded. Like, the day mm. that Zimbardo spent just yeah. sitting and waiting for the prison break, um, that it doesn't meet ethical standards, that it hasn't been replicated. Mm. Um, and because of all these things, we shouldn't treat it as, like, the pinnacle of research, and we shouldn't rely on the conclusions drawn right. from it. And we shouldn't teach it as such. Here's the thing. It is not taught as such. It is not taught as perfect. Every mm -hmm. time I've been taught about this in a psychology course, high school, college, whatever, it was used as an example of unethical research. Hmm. It was not used to be like... A scientific theory or evidence. Right. I mean, it, it is kind of scientific evidence. And we'll get into that. We'll get into that um, as I kind of explain why it doesn't need to be debunked. But... It's not taught as like this study meets ethical mm -hmm. and scientific standards. Right. It's taught as it didn't, and that's why it's important to psychology and to right. behavioral sciences. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, every study has its limitations, especially with things like selection bias. Absolutely. This is not something that Zimbardo, like Zimbardo's not trying to hide anything. Right. In my opinion, he's really not. Um, 
yes, it wasn't recorded properly. We know that. Um, no one's trying to hide that. Right. But that was like him not recording it properly and the researchers not recording it properly actually became part of the research, became part of the data itself. Right. The fact that Zimbardo became a participant in his own study when he meant to be an observer and a researcher, that is vital to the yeah. importance of the study. Right. It doesn't you know, negate the importance of the study. It makes it more important. Mm. It magnifies it. Right. And Zimbardo did give the guards guidelines, but yeah. he was open about that. He yeah. you know, clearly laid that out in his right. um, explanations of this study, but he didn't give them anything specific, and that's what was important. He was attempting to create a prison simulation. Right. And prisons are brutal. So to say that he was like totally misleading in this right. way is yeah. like kind of bizarre to me. Mm. Because like, of course he created that. Of course he had to do that. Of course he created that atmosphere. Right. Because when you're a prison guard, you're not going into a blank slate. You're going into a place that has this culture. Right. So he had to create that culture. <laughs> like, yeah. he just kind of had to. Like, how else would he be able to perform his experiment? Right. And... Of course, there are confounding variables. There are things that go into it, like maybe it was worse with men because we there. there's a lot of research that shows that men are more aggressive than women. Right. But he was looking at a male population. He was studying a male population, so you don't apply it to the whole population. And it was a specific everyone. age demographic, too. You I apply mean. it to the population that was studied with a sample of that population. So young, male, middle class, average predominantly white predominantly white i didn't remember which ones i had said you apply it to that population and also this was only one study like this is basically a case study right so you don't really apply it to the whole gen like the whole population Mm -hmm. until it's replicated um but that doesn't negate the importance of the study at all it just becomes a case study rather than one that can be applied to everyone right um so yeah i mean those are some of like some things that might be confounding variables. But I saw a study that was meant to point out how many confounding variables there were in Zimbardo's study, but it was so ironic because the study was meant to debunk the Stanford Prison Experiment, but the study that was meant to debunk it had so many confounding variables Mm. itself. Interesting. Like it was, they was basically having people predict what would happen. It was like, Mm. these people know about it. And like, uh, like they're predicting what happens, but so did the researchers. The researchers were predicting what happened before it ever even happened. And now they're having people predict what's going to happen after it happened. It was like, right. come on. Like, right. do you not see the irony here? Right. Um, also, it was the 70s. So, you know, psychological research in the 70s didn't have the same. Right. Not guidelines. Standards. Didn't have the same standards. Like, it was, come on. <laughs> it's the 70s. We were finding our footing yeah. with psychological studies. But the thing about it being, like, over overly dramatized, which it can't, like, some people do dramatize it like sure. i did in the beginning for sure. that reason um to kind of like tell a story with it yeah but it also was meant to be dramatic like that was part of it because it was supposed to seem real right um and that is a dr- dramatic and a traumatic mm-hmm. event for mm-hmm. a lot of people um but people are saying like oh it wasn't dramatic as it as it they make it sound like right. they're dramatizing the story but if it weren't so dramatic and you know people were blowing it out of proportion then why was it stopped for ethical purposes right like yeah. if it wasn't as bad as people say it was then it wouldn't have needed to be stopped exactly so surely it was dramatic and traumatic so but my question is also like mm-hmm. even if it wasn't even if it is dramatic mm-hmm. it still should have been stopped regardless of the extremity of suffering right. so i mean no, definitely but like if you know if 
But maybe if people, it wasn't as dramatic, the, it would have lasted longer. Right. And the, the, the argument is that like, oh, they're, they're making it out to seem like movie-like, that everyone was like suffering. And it was just a bunch of college kids. Like, okay, if it was just a bunch of college kids, like having fun, playing into their roles, like right. they wouldn't have needed to stop it. People wouldn't be having breakdowns. Like it, people wouldn't be getting sick. People wouldn't, people wouldn't be having psychosomatic symptoms yeah. where literally your stress manifests as physical symptoms. Yeah. Like that just wouldn't be happening. Yeah. So, Fair. and of course it hasn't been replicated. Of course it hasn't been replicated. Well, yeah. That, that's funny to me. I and, actually laughed when you first said of that. Of course it doesn't meet ethical standards. That's kind of the point. Um, and that's also why it hasn't been replicated. Like right. no IRB in the world well, no IRB in America, where there are IRBs really, but no IRB is going to allow a study like this yeah, to happen. No, absolutely so not. it has become a case study. Um, but there are other studies that are way more scientific yeah. or meet those scientific standards better and ethical, ethical standards better than the, prison, the Stanford Prison Experiment that imply a lot of these same mm -hmm. findings like Milgram's shock experiment um, and Solomon Ash's conformity experiment. I don't know if you're familiar with either mm -hmm. of those. It doesn't matter that much, but... Point is, they in, in suggest Mil similar... Yeah, in Milgram's experiment, the TLDR is like, basically, there was an authority figure telling people... Okay, it's a participant and an authority, an authority figure in the same room. The participant was basically given access to like a, a system that would shock someone on the other side of a wall. If they, answered, about this. if they answered a question incorrectly, there wasn't actually anyone over there. People weren't actually getting shocked. But the authority figure would just tell them to keep going, and each incorrect answer, the shock would get more and more powerful to the point of death, and a lot of people shocked to that point just because an authority figure told them to. Conformity experiment, which that's actually something that people say about this experiment too, about standard prison experiment. They're like, oh, this, this, like, this only has to do with when there's an authority figure, like a charismatic leader. Yeah. That's when people conform. Well... Yes, but that's not the only time that people right. conform. Solomon Ash did an experiment where participants, if there was a group of participants and all of them were in on it except mm -hmm. for one. So they were shown three lines, a set of three lines. And well, they were, they, first they were given like a baseline mm -hmm. line. And then they were given three lines to choose from to say which line of these three choices matches this one. Mm. And everyone who was in on it would choose one that was obviously incorrect. And people would go with the group rather than the obvious correct answer. Right. Like, and that's just two, exper two popular experiments, right. two well-known experiments. There's a lot of experiments on conformity um, and things like that. But people don't like this experiment because it implies that anyone could do terrible things. Hmm. Yeah. So people want to debunk it. Sure. Even though it's, I was going to say, science. I mean, it, it is. Yeah. Psychology is a science and this is science. It was just unethical science. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a lot easier to say, let's debunk this. Cause it'll help us sleep better. Cause it'll help us sleep like... better. Um, but like the point is we know these things and these things, these things are right. right. I'm sorry, not right. These things are taught. Like right. we know these things, these things are taught. This is not a big conspiracy. There's nothing to be debunked. Like this is how it's taught. Right. Yeah. And in... it's not like no one's going around saying this is the pinnacle of all, psychological study this is how all cases should be taught like i mean it, it is an important study it is right. because of what they found but obviously we're not going to replicate it and obviously there's a there's a lot of other variables that play into it right but, but that is how it's taught it's not yeah. taught as perfect it's not taught as this is truth and this is the only truth right like 
there's nothing to be debunked. The only thing to be debunked about it is improper conclusions that are drawn by people right. who don't understand the study, but that goes for all studies. Well, and I think it's interesting because that I think that same principle applies to anything, like even history. Things that happen in history, we don't just we don't have to like disregard them or get rid of them or pretend they mm-hmm. didn't happen just because they're distasteful. You know, there's a there's an element of of understanding and to your point, applying it in the correct way. Where in in terms of this case, speaking in psychology, it's used as an example of what basically what not to do and also helps with thinking what is human behavior? How, what are, what is human nature? I would say that the the history analogy applies for the ethics of this for sure. Right. Right. Like the validity of the experiment that doesn't, it's a little bit apples and oranges with history, but you're right. In terms of the ethic part, I think regardless, ethically speaking, no matter what time period we're in, no matter what field you're in, there will be moments in the history of that subject or that right, science right. that are unethical. Yeah, especially in psychology because it's that one's it's much more human. recent. It's much more new. And it's human beings. Like mm-hmm. at some point, I mean, I guess everything kind of relates to human beings, but studying a human being, there's no way to like do a pre-test on an animal. I mean, I guess people will do that. But a lot of psychological experiments are done on animals. I, but I guess my point is at some point in order to get conclusive data on a human being in psychology, yeah, you yeah. have to experiment on human beings. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's not excusing behavior, to your point. We don't just say like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Like, mm-hmm. You were just trying to do science. It's right. like, no, that wasn't but, okay. And he, he fully admits that what he did was wrong. Right. Like that he reacted incorrectly, that he was blind right. to what was going on, which just, I think, makes the, the mm-hmm. data all that all the more compelling. Right. So that, much more compelling. That even the, the so quickly. world-renowned psychologist so quickly. found himself caught up. Mm-hmm. I think I think this is super interesting. And to your point, I, I think it's important to recognize it, especially in fields of psychology where it's like, we can, we can, we don't have to just get rid of it. Right. It, mm-hmm. it happened and it's I, awful. I, I got so fired up when I started like finding all of the, mm-hmm. the things about like debunking it. I was like, guys, like, <laughs> this is it's ironic because really? there's nothing to debunk. There are yeah. no conclusive results. The experiment was canceled. Like, yeah, six days There's in. nothing to debunk. No one claimed it had any like concrete, conclusive evidence. Yeah. And it's like the, the researchers ad- themselves admit like, this isn't this the full. Not. This isn't the full data, and we didn't react correctly. Crazy. Yeah. So, there's no big conspiracy. So yes, it is flawed, obviously. Yep. Right. But everyone knows and admits that. Even, even Zimbardo. Even the researchers. And um, but like I said, that's what makes this experiment important in the field. Um, so the fact of the matter is that unfortunately, a lot of these tactics are used in prisons every day. Mm. Yeah. Um, and when you're immersed in that culture, you often become a product of the culture. <laughs> um, yeah whether it be as a dehumanized victim or as a controlling guard. Yeah. Um, of course, people do like to make this study like, oh, it's all nurture and it's not nature. It's like, well, okay, not really. We're, yeah. we're all kind of, we're all kind of both. Um, but you do, you, mm-hmm. you become mm-hmm. a part of the culture that you are entrenched in, whether that's good or bad. Um, I know I've mentioned before that I took forensic psychology, uh, for, uh, a forensic psychology course in college when we studied prison and police culture um, uh, in that undergrad class, mm-hmm. and these things happen, like they they really do, right. and we've been hearing a lot about it recently with like police culture, mm-hmm. how a lot of people go in with truly noble intentions, right. but if you go in like truly noble intentions of protecting and serving, as you know the name implies, 
Um, but if they're working in you right. know, a precinct, a county, whatever, with a bad culture, they become indoctrinated themselves yeah. so quickly and become the opposite of what they wanted to be. Yeah. So it's like, it happens all the time. Mm. And this was just kind of doing that in a controlled environment yep. to understand from a first person perspective, mm-hmm. for, at least for the researchers and the participants of how and why this happens and just how quickly it happens. And I think yeah. that is really the one of the big things to take away from mm-hmm. this experiment is that it's just... No one's immune to it. Yep. Obviously, there are people who are the good guy guards yeah. and things like that. But how quickly those dehumanization tactics just break people right. down and how people like the audio that I played yeah. who would never even dream of doing horrific things like that can do those things in that environment. Yeah. It's And I, th- I as as a history geek and political geek and all that stuff, I, I really enjoy this conversation too, just considering how we even study history and consider the bad things that happen in the mm-hmm. world. Like understanding there is a, there is a psychological, 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 a psychological component here. It doesn't excuse behavior, but it's mm-hmm. worth considering when we really are trying to break down what is going on when we're trying to understand the world and events and relationships mm-hmm. and social justice issues and politics and all these things. And we always get that question of why is this person so wicked? Like, mm-hmm. I think even politicians where we're all like, why are politicians so corrupt? But, you know, generally speaking. Don't you know. get me started on St. Augustine's libido dominandi. Yep. I won't do it yet. <laughs> and the lust for power. But, but that's the exact kind of concept here that's even right. shown in this right. case. Study. Power just, is dangerous. You get in a certain culture and it shapes you and you're not mm-hmm. as immune as you might think. Yep, Exactly. You know, and so I, I think this mm-hmm. is so fascinating. I'm really glad that you dove into it because, you know, I I knew the surface. So I think this is a great, even just life lesson, a little applicable, yeah. like take it with you. I'm so fascinated by this, yeah. by this, by this study. So, uh, yeah, watch the, I think it's on Netflix, Stanford Prison Experiment, if you're interested. That's what I'm watching tonight. I can't it wait. It doesn't seem like your kind of movie. I actually, I I love those. I mean, Silence of the Lambs, like any of those kinds of like psychological thriller type movies. I know. And you, you've like expressed that to me before that you like those movies. And I don't know why. It just seems like you wouldn't like those. I know. I don't know. But I'm glad you do. Because I do too. I do. It's a great time. Is that all? Is that all you have for us today, Rach? On our part what two? You, is that all? Uh, that was so much. That, well, that's Are what you I meant it more, more? like I like sarcastically <laughs> of like, is that all? Like. I we, know. This is I, a lot to digest. I know you meant it sarcastically. I, I just pushed back because that's you, what you I played, do. You played into the circumstances. Because I'm an ENTP and I debate everything. I don't know what that means. Well, that's your fault. So. <laughs> Spoken like a true ENTP. <laughs> I guess so. So I guess now's the time where we wrap this up. Yeah. We'll let you know where you can find us for more. Yeah. I'm sure you guys are going to want to see the, the photos from this. There yeah. are photos from it. Um, maybe I'll try to find some videos, see if I can include some of those. Yeah. So definitely if you didn't catch part one and you're listening and thinking what the heck is going on, go back. Well, I think people would figure it out before they got to the end of part two. You never know. Okay. People can go in and out. It's a, it's a longer episode, so they might be zoning in and out. Maybe they missed the first part. Who knows? Or if you're forgetting stuff that happened in part one, go back and rewatch it. That's more likely. Whatever, or if you remember it all, congratulations, you listened to two parts in one week, and we are very proud of you. I really like the idea of people memorizing everything I say. You should. You should be. Yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah. Um, so, where you can find us. 
and where you can see some of these pictures that's that Rachel will be providing is on our Instagram. Hyperfocus pod. Twitter. Hyperfocus underscore pod. TikTok. Hyperfocus pod. YouTube. YouTube and Facebook are both hyperfocus colon, a podcast for chaotic minds. And then email. Hyperfocuscast at gmail.com. Fan mail, love letters, topic ideas. Uh, I don't know, anything. Favorite color. Say I'm hi. still looking for that. Or just, yeah, what? just, just, I just want to know people's favorite color. It says a lot about a person. What's your favorite color? Cinderella blue. The color of my goat shirt. That makes a lot of sense. I don't know why. I'm blonde. No, that's not why. I mean, it doesn't hurt, but that's not why. Or if you have answers to Rachel's questions. What are Rachel's questions? Why my favorite color might be blue. Oh. All that to say, email us. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to get weird theories about why your favorite color is like blue. Sorry, Cinderella blue. Thank you for clarifying that. It's the color of my laptop oh, so case, too. There's no case on your laptop. Um, the um, like laptop oh, the, like, cover sleeve protector. protector. So we'll see you on the next episode. Uh, for anyone who's not watching on YouTube, I was just being stupid. Stay chaotic, babes. That was a long one. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.